DJ Glasser filling in for Nick Costos alongside Ken Barkley here on You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM. We're wrapping up our number two. We're with you until 7 o'clock Eastern time. We're also with you on Stadium. So you can go to watchstadium.com. Check us out over there until 6 o'clock Eastern time. We're also on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205, and still streaming on the BetQL network, twitch.tv slash BetQL, and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports as well. You can listen to us for free over on the Odyssey app. Uh, that was the North Carolina Tar Heels radio network. They are the two seed in this region where Houston is the one, UNC, the two against Oakland. You have Oklahoma and Boise State. In the 7-10 matchup, Alabama, the three seed against Vermont in the 14. Texas Tech, the six over Ole Miss and Utah in the play-in game, which could be really interesting. Obviously, Chris Beard now in Oxford, the coach for Ole Miss, and obviously used to be at Texas Tech. So that could be interesting. And then obviously the games we went through, Houston, the one seed, Florida, New Mexico in the 8-9. Clemson over Appalachian State, 5-12. And then Illinois, who we were just discussing in the 4-13 game against Yale. So, Ken, we were talking, like, this region really is interesting. There's so many good offenses. Houston, obviously, having the dominant defense. You got Illinois as the four seed. Florida and Mexico is the eight, nine. North Carolina, the two. Alabama, the three. I want to get your thoughts on UNC. You know, the metrics, obviously, they're one of those 2020 teams, according to Ken Palm, top 20 offense, top 20 defense. For me, they're the team that I go back and forth on the most. They have some really nice non-conference wins. They beat Tennessee in the non-conference. They obviously have the win over Duke a couple weeks ago. It just feels like they're kind of, they maybe hit their peak in like December, January, and now they're falling back down to earth a little bit. We obviously talk about coaches on this show and in the tournament that we can't trust. Hubert Davis is one of those that, like, mm, do you really feel great about him? Uh, so what are your thoughts on this UNC team? Do you think you could see yourself maybe investing any money on them if they have the right draw? Yeah, so it's worth noting uh, I, like, grew up a North Carolina basketball fan. My dad went there. I have family that goes there, followed the team really closely. And I've kind of, like, lost touch with the team. Like, I don't follow them as closely the last few years. But I still, you know, have, like, a soft spot for them a little bit. Um, the Hubert Davis thing is really a funny topic because it's, I think, uh, you know, my first thought is like, oh, it's Hubert Davis. What do you think? I'd be like, can't trust him. I'd be like, okay, well, like he, they, he's been the coach for two seasons. This is third season. He's been the coach for two seasons. The first year he went to the championship game, which is more than Matt Painter ever did, by the way, and more than Kelvin Sampson ever did. And more than, you know, the other, the other coaches that we put in this same bucket as I can't trust them in the tournament. Like he, in his first year, he went to the title game. And then in the second year, they didn't make the tournament. <laughs> it's like, it's like, so like basically Hubert Davis at the end of his tenure, he could potentially exist on a scale of one of the great coaches of all time or a moron. And it could be any of them. And we have no idea which one it could be. Like, we're just, we're going to learn kind of what, what it's going to be. And so I can't be as dismissive of him as I can be of Painter or of honestly, like Shaka Smart kind of to a certain extent, or some of the other coach, Rick Barnes, some of the other coaches in the tournament. Cause like the dude did, like, it just, I mean, he did it. He won those games. Like what am I going to say? He didn't win the games. Like what, what am I going to say about it? So they are in this group of teams for me, that's really interesting. I'll tell you, like we haven't done UConn yet. And I, you know, you try to save some ammunition for that discussion. But I think if you're looking for teams where it's like, all right, maybe they're not a winner right now, but 
you know, it's only February 20th. Like this is the earliest I think we've ever done this segment. Uh, usually we do it like maybe first weekend in March for the first time. If you're looking for like a handful of teams where, all right, maybe it's not all there yet, but it's a small improvement that's required to look like a team that could win the entire tournament. I would have this team in that, in that bucket where it's like, maybe it's not perfect right now, but it can get there and they can be, there'll be a high seed, you know, there'll be a one or a two or a three, which obviously would, would matter in terms of path. Statistically, they do look a lot like a winner in some ways. Like they really, they don't have a lot of warts. They're, they're, they're kind of on the fringes in a, a couple ways. There are some things I would like to see them do better, um, but they're really not bad. And so like, it's, uh, it'll be, they're a team where like, I would love for a team like them or Duke or Michigan State or some of these other teams to kind of put the foot on the gas a little bit in the last month so that I don't go into the tournament being like, who the hell is beating UConn? Like, how are they not winning? Because if we get, like, if the tournament started right now, this would be the lamest, dumbest futures conversation ever because it's UConn and a bunch of nevers. It's UConn and it's like, well, who else makes sense? Purdue and eh, Houston and eh. like, I'm never betting these teams. Like, no way. Um, you know, like right now, I would just never bet them to win the tournament at their price. And I would just be like, yeah, UConn's just going to win. Like, that's what's going to happen. And there's there's still time. There's a month for some interesting team to come along. They don't have to play crazy better. Like, we're not looking for Kentucky here, like team that comes out of nowhere and goes on a big run. But like North Carolina's been a top 15 team the whole year. They just have to be a little better. And I think I'd buy. I think I'd be in. And I don't, I don't love Hubert Davis's. I think the guy made the title game. Like, what am I supposed to say? Like, he can't get there. Like, he literally did it. Had a lead at halftime over the team that won. So I just, uh, I think they are very interesting in that way. They are one of the very few teams to me where like the next month really does matter to me. Where if they can just get the get the resume, get the get the profile a l- just a little better, uh, then I think I'm in. I'm with you. I'm with you. For me, kind of two of the big things I look for when placing a bet on a team to win the national championship. I I do look at Ken Palm. I look at the 2020 team that's top 20 offense, top 20 defense. UNC fits that. They were certainly much better like a month ago. But also something that I don't think it's talked about too much until we get closer to the tournament, which is usually a really good kind of barometer for a national champion. 100% of the national champions since, I want to say, 2003, 2004, in the last 20 years, have been in the top 12 in the AP poll in week six of the college basketball season. So when we get to week six, usually we have a good idea. It's so rare. It speaks to something which I can talk about too, but go ahead. This is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like some of the the teams on this list and some of the teams who are not the, on this do list. Do you have the AP I poll do. from week six? Can you read I it do. real quick? I don't, I don't know what this is. Like, I, I have no idea what you're going to read. You could read, like, like Providence could be on this. Like, I would have no idea. Like, some random school, so, St. John's. Who, who was the top so, 12? So we have Arizona at one, Kansas yeah. at two, yeah. Purdue at three, Houston at four, UConn at five, Baylor six, Marquette seven, Creighton eight, North Carolina 9, Gonzaga 10, Oklahoma 11, and then Tennessee at number 12. So again, 100% of the national champions in the last 20 years have been in the top 12 in the sixth week of the AP poll. UNC's right there at 9. Again, Alabama's not on that list. Auburn's not on that list. Iowa State's not on that list. Duke's not on that list. Michigan State, Illinois. Some of these teams that maybe people could think about. 
Um, But I always just, I always find that really fascinating. So to see UNC, obviously there, number nine, their, you know, profile, like you said, you like it to be a little bit better, but certainly they have the makeup of a team that could go far. They have one of the best guards in the country in RJ Davis. And then Armando Baycott is a center that's been in the league for a really long time. They did a good job in the portal too, kind of getting the mix of like shooters from the outside and like mid-range scores, Cormac, Ryan, Harrison, Ingram. So that's why I go back and forth on UNC, Ken. It's like almost comparing the eye test and kind of like what I see out of them and then just like the metrics and kind of that they fit the profile and kind of what you look for in a team that maybe could contend with UConn and could win the whole thing. I'm interested, though, you said that you kind of think that you have something that can speak to maybe why this is what it is, why we've seen the national champion every year for the last 20 years come out of the uh, top 12 in the AP poll in week six. Yeah, and uh, people who follow my work closely have already heard this before. I think this is really interesting. Uh, So week six, so correct me if I'm wrong, the the college basketball season usually starts like the second week in November, right? Mm -hmm. So, So six weeks would be like New Year's. That would Correct. be like six weeks from then. Yeah, like right before okay, you get so, to conference play. Yeah. So that's my point is it's I, I think there's less it's less about that it's week six and it's more about it's the difference between non-conference play and conference play. So like that's mm. what week six signifies, right? It signifies like where we are at entering. Con- now, I know the Big Ten starts a little earlier now. They play some late December games. Not a perfect fit. That's like, you know, every, some conferences have already started by the time you get to week six, probably. But what this speaks to is like something that I found uh, to be incredibly helpful is that non-conference, this, this is, this was this made my brain explode. The first time I kind of figured it out, non-conference play predicts tournament success better than conference play does. And I'll say that again, the first six weeks of the season does a better job of telling you who's going to go deep in the NCAA tournament than the next two and a half months that you're about to watch. It just does. It's just, that's the way, that's what it is. And I'm sorry to have to, if you're like, no, there's no way, like how you're playing going into the tournament should be like the most, that's just not what it is. Sorry. Like, you know, you know what made UConn great last year? They were four seed, by the way, in the NCAA tournament. You know what what made UConn great last year? They covered every non-conference game they ever played. All of them. They never did cover. And they also covered every game in the NCAA tournament. They also won all of them, by the way. So like, yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> so, so to your point, like I have a, like I have a bunch of, st- I think non-conference play is critical in mm-hmm. evaluating these teams. I think it's way more important aside from injuries than what's happening right now. I think it's way more important and that sounds stupid and nuts, but that's what it is. It just, that's what it is. And, uh, and I think your AP poll trend reflects that because of what weeks it's like, you know, well, why not week five or week seven? Well, because week six kind of signifies when we transition from playing one type of opponent to playing another type of opponent. And conference play is opponents that are very familiar with you and you play them a lot and you go to a lot of hostile environments that you're not going to go to in the NCAA tournament. There's a ton of things about conference play that are different and that are not representative of what you're going to see in the NCAA tournament. Non-conference play, there's a ton of stuff that's representative of what you're going to see in the NCAA tournament. You're going to be in Maui playing three games of like a, a gym with pineapples on the door like it's just like that's a lot that's that's like yeah we're gonna go to some random gym we gotta figure it out we're gonna play all the time like i just the type of opponent that you see especially at a high level tournament so i totally agree uh carolina was not the best team in non-conference but they were good enough um yeah i think they're they're interesting for that reason and so are a lot of the other teams on that list yeah carolina they beat tennessee in the non-conference they also beat oklahoma they lost to kentucky by four and yukon 
by 11 as well. Going to take a little bit of a break from college hoops. Noops is going to join us next to talk about the NBA. Hour three, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the other side. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network.